that was actually pretty excitable. But I will say that I had one, kind of one, I don't want to say it's my only goal in life, but something I always kind of fantasized about was that someday I would make a lot of money. Powerball. Yeah. So <laughs> if that happened, I mean, if somebody just said, hey, here's a ton of money, what I, one of the things I always said I wanted to do was I wanted to hire Alan Rickman to read the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, dude. And that was going to, this was just, because whenever I read the book of Ecclesiastes, I read it in, just him reading that would be so perfect. Yes. And now that will never happen. I saw, Chuck, that you put uh, the, uh, as you do from time to time, the uh, special uh, event uh, logo up on the website for, for Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, it meant a lot to you? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, I, uh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote about it and, uh, I got into Bowie, uh, just probably like every other kid in 1983. I heard Let's Dance. It was a number right. one single and right. the album that it came off of sold tons of copies. It was, uh, super popular. I heard the song and, you know, it had a good beat. I like the singing, and then there's like that bridge, you know, where he just busts out his huge tenor, and if you say run, I'll run with you. Just epic, gorgeous song with this tearing, ripping guitar solo. I didn't know any of it, but I know I liked it. Right. Uh, made my mom drive me to the store to buy the to buy the 45 and i just played it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and that was kind of it with bowie for with me for a while you know i'd follow little bits and pieces and i didn't always get it 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 probably wasn't uh until the 90s and i mentioned an album in in the write up earthling he did this drum and bass jungle uh psychedelic heavy rock album and it was great it was really really great it's almost like an oonce record it's got driving punishing beats it's i think i think he toured with nine inch nails at the time too like the double bill they did do a tour yeah they did do a co-headlining tour yeah and that album it just i became a complete fan at that point and i went backwards and forwards and i certainly haven't touched all of it there's so much of of his music that uh that you can easily get into and then there's the movies and the fashion and all this other stuff but you know as as a creative person there are few people who really lived their their creativity to the most extreme degree and they executed everything at such a high level of conception and perfection. And this yeah. goes right down to the way he died with his last album. Amazing, com- right? Yeah. Coming out on his birthday, right. two, two days, days before, before he dies. Yeah. Blows my mind. Yeah. And if you read the lyrics to the album, there's, there's so many, there's the whole thing is about death. And, and there's one line in a song that kills me. It, it's, it says, uh, uh, where the fuck did Monday go? <laughs> and, you know, and he died on a Sunday. So you can imagine, you know, here, his spirit is like, well, where the fuck did Monday go? When Monday comes, he's not there. And the, the next line after that, I'm, I've had enough of this pig and pug show, which touches me because I have two pugs. Right. You know, so there's just so many levels of, of, of this guy's genius. And the fact that he executed his death, uh, his transition from, from this uh, state of existence that we all understand to another one, 
and he used it as as fodder for a piece uh, is really just outrageous and heart wrenching and beautiful and genius. Kind of amazing. And the definition of the of the word genius. There's a a newsletter I subscribe to a smart guy that writes about internet companies and stuff most of the time, but he he had he included an interview with David Bowie uh from I don't know, two thousand I think it was, um, where Bowie was talking about the internet. And it was actually it's amazing to watch this video because he like had it completely nailed. He completely understood that it was going to be this like amazingly disruptive thing that would change everything. And the interviewer, I think it was a guy from the BBC or something was basically like, what are you talking about? It's like a bunch of like nerds and like crazy people. And he's like, no, you do not get it. Like it's going to change everything. And the guy was like, really? Are you sure? He's like, yes, (laughs) it will. Like it's just, his certainty was so like, he could see around the corner. Right. Which was just like this amazing thing he did throughout his whole career. Yeah. And that was just another example of it, but uh, you know, I don't know if if you guys read the uh, the thing in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Bowie bonds. Mm-mm. He uh, he he turned his his first twenty four albums into a uh, uh, an asset derivative. Oh, I remember this that he sold to Prudential. I remember this twenty like twenty something years they would get to they would pay him so they paid him fifty five million dollars up front and after twenty years he would get the rights back to his right. to his stuff. And the reasoning why was he saw that music was just going it wasn't going to become a commodity that people buy. It was going to become a service like like electricity or water. And it's just incredible how that has totally happened just in the last few years. Where people don't buy music anymore, they buy a service that brings mm-hmm. music to them. Right, tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah, and he cashed out before you know record sales went into the tank, so he made a a big killing off of that. I had totally forgotten about that, but now that you say that, I remember the hearing about him making that deal and uh, having forgot about it for ages. But now, yeah, you're right. It sounds incredibly prescient now, right? It's just like yeah. wow, very smart. He was the first artist to use their royalties as a uh, an asset, you know, a uh, right. leverageable asset. Like then, an like annuity, Sto- right? I mean, right. Exactly. Yeah. Then the Stones right. did, and Michael Jackson and all these other people followed right. suit, but he was the first. Cool. It's a weird feeling, you know, when, when I started doing what I'm doing, Bill Eddington was the, the dean of gaming studies. Right. Now he's been gone for three years. It's, it's so bizarre. It's just, yeah, it's a it's a huge thing. There, there are luminaries in all these different fields, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I, you know, I wish no ill will on any man, but uh, <laughs> we have. Well, I mean, we have uh, we have some folks that are big time in gaming that, if if for no other reason that they are older than the sort of median age, are you know statistically at least. I, I'm not trying. I'm really going out of my way to say like just come out I, and say it, Hunter. <laughs> I, I don't want anyone to. I'm not asking anyone to die, but they're some of these yeah. people are getting older, and so eventually this will happen to all of us. Yeah. Um, and you know, two of the biggest, Sheldon Adelson and, and Steve Wynn, are you know they both seem in varying degrees of health. Um, but uh, eventually this is going to be a thing, and it will be a big fucking deal. Um, because they are both like singularly sort of titans in their 
individual companies and both uh, titans of industry in, in, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a big deal. And I'm not sure that we sort of, I'm not sure that we know where all those, uh, where all those pieces are going to land. I mean, like we've talked in the past about succession plans for different companies. And I think, you know, I mean, not to tie everything back to Apple, but right. Of course, losing Apple, losing Steve jobs, big fucking deal. Um, and they've figured out a way to make that work, right? With different cast of characters and nobody really trying to replace him, but trying to have multiple people cover different jobs that might uh, that might that might come to piece together. And I, I, I don't think my guess is that you'd see the same thing, right? There's not going to be a, a Steve Wynn 2.0. There's going to be multiple people that have worked for him that will try to carry on his legacy uh, and you know, aspire to the same level of greatness. And I assume the same thing at, uh, at LVS as well, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we saw it this year with Kirkorian or last, I guess last year with uh, Kirkorian. And I mean, that was a huge thing. And he had been sort of out of the day to day for a long time, but still a huge impact. I wonder, you know, just in terms of the Apple thing, so Johnny Ive, the creative guy, right? Uh, Phil Schiller, the marketing guy, um, he had a whole, a deep bench of software people, a deep bench of hardware people, uh, Tim Cook, a supply chain expert, right? Uh, all these people all stepped up their game in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And you think about when it's obvious he has some people in mind in for his succession plan. We've talked Definitely. about Matt Maddox for sure. Right. Yep. Um, I assume that Maddox would be this would be the next CEO. Yeah, and Linda I mean, Chen would right. be a huge, a huge maybe the next chairwoman of the board. Chair. I mean, I could imagine that for sure. Yeah. So what, that what how, now? There's a gap in difference of age, relative yep. age between Steve and uh, Roger. Mm-hmm. versus Steve Jobs and Johnny Ive. Right. Like, now, if Steve goes, when, uh, Roger's not that much younger than him. And he tried to retire once already, right? Tried I to mean, retire once already. So it yeah. seems like there's a creative gap there, possibly. Not Maybe. that we wish anything to happen to Roger. We love no, him. No, of course not. And, I, you know, we fall into the same trap with Apple that we do with Wynn, where we know Johnny Ive and we know Roger Thomas – they both have a staff of incredibly creative people that they work with every day that uh, it's a collaborative process, right? They're not doing everything themselves. They are, they're pushing back and forth and they're having these meetings. We get to see the one guy, um, but I'm sure that there are great people inside of those places that, uh, that are big contributors. Um, well, I, I don't know how you know until you know. I mean, I think uh, we just have to see how it, gets sus- how it susses itself out. Roger has mentioned some names. If you if you do a little study, you'll find yeah, there's a couple same, people in his studio that he that he gives props to. Yep, and same thing with Apple too, right? It's very similar, I think. Like you know, you got to it, it for uh, for the purposes of a narrative, especially when you're talking about writing a story and trying to construct this whole mythology around the design. It's really useful to have a single focal point, but uh, there's a lot of people. Well, I should say. There, there are more people, right? I think in both cases, it's actually a pretty tight knit group of small, small tight knit group, but of very talented people that are uh, are working hard to make it all work. And I, um, I don't see. Uh, I'm sorry if I cut you off. I don't no, see no. any any of this at LVS. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know, I feel like they have a, a in terms of design, I don't I, I couldn't speak to that. I do feel like they've got a, a, a bench of operations people that come up frequently in news reports. Uh, so it seems like, uh, you know, that's been their strength. And uh, they do have they do have folks that, uh, but you know, it it's it's really hard to it, let's say that something did like you know let's assume that Sheldon or Steve re- decided to retire tomorrow, <laughs> it would be a huge void in both cases. I mean, that's just there's just no two ways about it. It's a yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. <sighs> Dave. Yeah. How many hours a day do you spend on Snapchat? None. <laughs> um, me. That was basically my. That was me for a long time. I I signed up okay. for Snapchat, and I'm I'm not totally sure why. Um, I it's funny. I, I always sort of thought of Snapchat as the weird app that people use for dick pics, which I think is like that's the, what I. That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and I don't, and, you know, no offense to anybody, but I don't really want to send them or get them. Right. No, so. I, you know, I, fair enough. Yeah. I'm not really in that market either. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, for whatever reason, people were talking about it more and more. And I was like, well, I keep hearing about like these, the whole Snapchat stories and about how all these brands are like really doing this amazing stuff, sharing stuff on Snapchat. And I'm like, huh, I, I don't, I've always sort of, I I love I like to think that I embrace new stuff and I like to try out new things and so I was started to get worried that I was like just being you know old man on the lawn regarding Snapchat which apparently is very popular and people love it so mm. I decided to sign up and uh, check it out and I'm still kind of mystified by it um, there's a pretty good Wall Street Journal video that sort of that serendipitously came out this week about how to use Snapchat for people that are too old to understand Snapchat, <laughs> um, which uh, I'll link to in the show notes. But Chuck, you've been on it for a year. Um, have you used it much in the last year? You know, I try. I try. I don't give up. I, I When I first got on there, I have a couple of the VT guys are on there, and I think Tim had an account, and Big Hoss, and a few other people. So, you know... I'd use it for a little bit, and then I just kind of wouldn't. <laughs> and then I'd say, well, you know, I need to try and use this again. I need to give it another shot. And I'd use it for a little while, and then I'd kind of give up. And then, you know, so this has happened about five times, <laughs> you know. And uh, then I, I decided to make a little more concerted, regular effort. I'm just going to keep putting stuff in my story. Uh, I'm going to publish. I'm going to try and... You know, I'm going to publicize, hey, I'm on Snapchat, so if people want to talk to me or something, they, they can. Uh, and and I just sit around and I swipe all the windows in every direction to see Seriously, what is right? going to happen. What the hell? Yeah. It's like the most confusing app ever. Yeah, it's <laughs> not, you know, instead of, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, goodness me, it's like checkers, right? 
it's like you're, you're checkers and you start in the middle of the board and instead of jumping over things, you just move one layer to the left or to the right or to the top or to the bottom. And then you move another one. And then it just, it's kind of this big mosaic, this flat mosaic of things that you can sort of get lost in. But I think, you know, I think little by little, I'm starting to get, to get it. And I have some more friends on there now. Uh, I, I have, I, I have some trophies that I've gotten. I've, yeah. I have a snap. My Snapchat score has hit 100, which I believe is kind of That's good, good. Good for you know, could have been worse. But uh, yeah, I've been using it. I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know if it'll stick. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep trying. You know, I just, I'm a- I don't, I don't get it. Like, so I, I signed up, yeah. and I think I added something to my story for a minute, but um, I don't really. Get it. I watched the video that uh, Joanna Stern at the Wall Street Journal posted, which was actually very informative. But um, like I like uh, I posted on Twitter, like, hey, I'm trying to trying to figure out Snapchat. I'm old. Like, help me. And I I can't remember. Maybe it was Mike E. I can't remember who it was. He was like, yeah, you should follow Nick Kism because like he's got all kinds of cool like insider win architecture stuff. And I'm like, okay, Uh, but I couldn't figure out how to do that. Um, I, I did friend him, I think. But, like, I can't see any of his stuff, so I'm very confused. I don't know how it works, um, which is, like, very foreign concept to me because I'm, you know, I don't know. I think of myself as the person that understands all technology things. And so the fact that there's this app that I can't figure out is, like, this has never happened to me. I don't mean that to sound, like, boastful. I just, this has literally never happened to me. There's, there's, from what I can gather, is you can send out, like, a public thing you publish something to your story and you use your basically your camera yeah. to capture a little piece of something it could be a photo it could be a video it could be uh, a piece of artwork uh you you can draw on the photos you can write on the photos you can embed images on top of the photos emojis and whatnot and uh, you publish that stuff into either your feed your your story, which is just be a list of all the snaps. Like I did it right. for twenty four hours, and I'm sitting there watching TV, and I'm then I'm sleeping, and that. I'm cooking breakfast, and just all, everything that I did that day. Right. You know, the, the guy came over to fix something at the house. All the, all this dumb shit. Right. And uh, or the other thing is, is you can take these, you can take a message. Uh-huh. Uh, in this same format, either text or video or photos or artwork, and uh-huh. send it to somebody or a group of somebody's privately. Uh-huh. Okay. Right? And that stuff will explode. It 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 goes away after you right. watch it once. It's ephemeral, right? How but how the hell how do I see Nick Hissom's story? Because that's my goal in life. I don't know. Do you have to know his? Do you know his? I, don't uh, know. I just yeah. I looked up Nick Kissam and says I'm friends with someone named I don't I don't know what the fuck's going on. I gotta ask Mikey or whoever yeah. it was that told me about this because I don't know I what's did, going on. Yeah, it was Mike. I, I I've asked Mike about four times for Snapchat lessons, mm. and he, <laughs> he he gave me one once, and then the second time I asked him, he just said, "You don't need to use Snapchat." You know, <laughs> <laughs> basically, he, you know. He was yeah. nice. So he didn't really say it directly, but he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, sure, we'll do that, right? Okay, you know." But uh, very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Very so, confusing. is there anything I should be doing with my students? Uh, well, I don't know. Honestly, I I think that's an interesting question, right? Because Dave, you teach young people that are using this stuff, I assume, and like, I I don't know. Maybe I mean, maybe there's some like super innovative way that you could like 
reach them in new ways that I I don't know. I, that that's kind of why I care about this stuff. It's like I I want to be connected to these things and understand how they work, but I I have I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a kooky messaging system, but they can tell you stuff. You know, okay. that, that's that's like let's say they want to send Dr. Dave a message, bang, I'm I'm not going to make it to class today. Poof, it's gone. You never have to see it again. Right? Or whatever other things. Right. Yeah. This is interesting ephemeral system. I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure what to think of it, but uh I'm I still don't really get it. Yeah. <sighs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh Peach is the other one. Um I, I did not sign up for Peach. Uh I don't you know, I I don't know. What you did though, Chuck, right? What I did. The, what what is Peach? Tell me about Peach Peach, Peach is kinda like it's it's really sort of your friends. And it's not about, hey, posting, I guess you could post uh, like news or tidbits or things like that, but it's kind of just like super poking people hmm. all the time. You just, you can send a quick message, you post some dumb thing. Uh, it, there's all these shortcuts. So if you post, like there's one called uh, Dice. If you write Dice, it says, do you want to roll the dice? And you press yes. And then it shoots out uh, two dice. Of mm. what the numbers are. So I did it like nine times or till I got the point. And uh, and, uh, and then I then I published it and that was what was on my you know, what was on my latest feed and then some other friends that we have would uh, you know, they'd like it or not, and then somebody would throw cake at you, you get booped and super poked and all this these other things. It's really just like you have friends who are all over the world whatever you don't necessarily have anything to say to them, but you just want to say, Hey, I'm thinking right. of you, what's up, man? You know, just like pinging them, and and that's it. Don't you think that Peach is gonna disappear in like two weeks? Yeah, probably. Okay. Then I just so delete I, it from my phone. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm not saying you're silly for doing it. I'm just saying like yeah. I shouldn't be that worried about not signing up. Uh, yeah, you know, listen, you, I, if I were you, um, being being who you are and being that you're a software developer and and this is your milieu, I would check it out. Ah. Uh... Dude, I'm busy. Yeah, me too, but I did it. It's one of those things you do, you know, you're whatever, sitting in the tub or taking a poop. <laughs> you, it, it do, it's very easy to get up and running on this thing. It doesn't take more than a second. I'll be honest, the, one of the main reasons I don't like new social networks is that I can't get the name I want. Because, yeah. like, mm. literally if I wait, like, more than five minutes, my name is gone. And I've been spoiled by being super early on Twitter that I got my name. and. I can't get them on any of the others unless, I mean, I can do variations obviously, but I, that kind of throws me off. I'm like, yeah, you can't get Hunter. I'm out. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't get Chuck monster on Snapchat. I was too. What? Really? Yeah. yeah I'm Charles S monster on Snapchat. I mean, I saw that, but now that I'm thinking about it, who has it? But it's funny. I was listening to the talk show, which is uh, John Gruber's podcast from daring fireball. And he was talking about today, how he tried to sign up for Snapchat and he couldn't get Gruber, which makes sense. But he also, he couldn't get Daring Fireball, and he was pissed off. He's like, oh. who the hell stole that from me? Because, like, that, you know, mm-hmm. clearly, if someone else registered it, it wasn't him. So, yes, who are these people that are stealing our names? Well, there's casinos using Snapchat. <laughs> casinos named Chuck Monster? No, 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 there's the actual... Chuck Monster cas- Casino. Well, no, who? there's actual... Which, which casinos are doing Snapchat stuff? I think, I think Luxor and some of the other ones are. Yeah, I believe Luxor that. had a big Snapchat thing with CES this week. Yeah, oh, that makes that sense. That makes sense. Ha! Jinx. 
What was the situation with you and CES? Yeah. So the thing with CES week? is the way the way I usually notice anything is town. The way I usually notice anything is in town is I see the billboards in the airport connector flipping out. So right, they go right, 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 right. It's really cool the way they go from cowboy to New Year's Eve to CES, hmm. and you know there's this <laughs> something about like evergreen partners serving all your capital needs or whatever. Just I'm totally sure they are. Yeah, I can see a lot of people driving the airport connector needing needing that, you know, you know. so this is kind of funny. But uh, does it, I mean, I, I've never been to CES. I've never really cared about going to CES. It's not, it does not interest me. Um, but it, I assume that even if you don't care about it at all, it impacts you as a citizen of the world that lives in Las Vegas, right? I mean, it's just like that so many people come in and still the, it's the biggest convention right it's pretty huge yeah it's pretty huge so it does it's a big influx i guess everybody's room rates go up uh-huh. but once when you're off the strip you don't really notice it at all you don't really notice. No, really okay. yeah yeah it's not really it's pretty they do a pretty good job of keeping it pretty well contained uh, that's good well you know i i still i continue to wonder uh how long something like ces will survive given i i just you know trade shows seem like sort of a thing of the past a, a pre-internet thing, but CES has uh, continued to exist, and it sort of reinvented itself a little bit. So who knows? Well, this is where the tech companies and the nerds meet to show off their stuff. You know, it's the yeah. platform for launching. It's a goal. You know, that's why Peach is out. Sort of. Yeah. No, I totally agree that Peach launched to get uh, the sort of tr- tail end of CES wave, but you know, you see companies bailing, you know, like Microsoft used to do CES and they're out. Um, mm-hmm. Apple hasn't done it for 20 years, but they don't participate. I, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how the whole thing evolves and who knows. Uh, it still draws a shit ton of people. And I hear, I listen to, you know, a, a couple of technology shows and it, a lot of them are, uh, a lot of people on those shows are, uh, New York based journalists, technology journalists, and they're basically like, I hate CES, I hate Las Vegas, I hate going there. I mean they badmouth Las Vegas so much. In so the why do they why do they hate Vegas so much? Uh well, you know, I'm gonna paraphrase and probably not be super accurate, but but they they look down on Las Vegas. They they see it as seedy and I, I think a big part of it, honestly, if I'm gonna guess, is that the infrastructure is so overwhelmed by the huge influx of people. And when it takes, when you're waiting in line for a cab for an hour and when every restaurant has an hour wait and when the room rates are like 10 X, what they usually are. Mm-hmm. It, it And it's the only time you ever go to Las Vegas. It gives you this warped sort of vision of what it's actually like. Yeah. And I, even if they sort of discount that 20% by understanding that, Oh, it's a big convention. Still, they're like, this place sucks. Like people were saying that they waited an hour to get from the monorail station onto the monorail. I mean, what? That's an, that. Yes, I heard that from two different people. You could walk wherever you're going. Well, so that's yes, but in that area, these, these people you don't know walk. that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think they get a pretty warped, terrible uh, idea of what it's like, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck this place." And if they don't care about Las Vegas, they don't care about gambling, and you know. Uh, so, and I also think if you're a beat reporter that's assigned to CES, it's a pretty grueling week. 
because you're like going mm, from place yeah. to place to place. Like you're you don't have any really any real downtime, and it's a pretty hectic schedule. So I'm not sure it's a really great assignment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it. Those conventions are exhausting. No, These they're brutal. Just pounding the pavement in there. Ugh. I lo- I love Las Vegas, and I love the gaming biz, but I will not go to G2E. Yeah, well, I've only been once, and I'm yeah, not sure I want to go back. That was enough for me. Yeah. It's just too much. Jason Bourne is hanging out in Las Vegas. That's another thing that has not affected me one bit. No, but you're nope. aware of its existence. I'm aware, yes, I'm aware of it. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. I, I I did not know uh, ahead of time that uh, that it was going to be filming. I read an article in the New York Times like a week ago. I guess it was like a Golden Globe story or something. And basically it's like, yeah, and Matt Damon's going to be going to Las Vegas for the new Bourne movie. I'm like, oh, really? Interesting. And so I I don't know if I would, just wasn't paying attention or what. But um, now, you know, I'm reading a bunch of stuff about Bourne. Uh, at Aria, in front of valleys, and closing down streets, and simulated gunfire, and all kinds of interesting <laughs> stuff. Uh, and you know, sounds cool. I I'm That's a I'm a fan of those movies. I think they're cool. I'm looking forward to it. I I think they're I I uh, I hope that they have some cool uh, some cool stunts. And I guess uh, they I, I was reading Vital Vegas, uh, Trippie's award winner, Vital Vegas, and um, I guess they lit up the Riviera and were doing a bunch wow. of stunts there, which. Uh, that's pretty cool. I was looking. Good it reminded. Them. Yeah. Well, it reminded me of back to uh, was it Rush Hour two? Yeah. That, uh, filmed at the Desert Inn. That they. Uh, I have pictures of the Red Dragon Casino when they rebranded the des- the Desert Inn and redid the marquee and like shot those two guys out of the top. Well, stuntmen, I'm sure, or uh, whatever. Uh, stunt uh, sacks of flour, maybe I don't know, but uh, out of those two top windows. But it was pretty funny, right? It's 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 uh, it's fun to get that kind of thing. I hope that they don't commit the uh, cardinal Vegas sin of like we're fighting in front of Aria, and now all of a sudden we're in downtown, and all of a sudden yeah. now we're in Henderson. Like, magic. oh, they have to. Yeah, <laughs> the Harry Harry Potter transport system. I'm yeah. not sure if they'll pull that off, but uh, I don't know. It's cool. I hope it's a good movie. We'll see. Yeah, me too. Can't did you hurt. see the? Did you see the last one? Yeah, I've seen them all. Uh, the 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 non Matt Damon one you mean? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, what's his name? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Not not that good. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them honestly. Hmm. Well, you not, I don't have anything. Yeah, I just never have time to watch movies. No, no, I understand. But you, Rarely. so you actually you should you should feel excited because there is a <laughs> treasure trove of movies that you now get to experience. Action adventure, man. Yeah. No, they're good. They're good movies. Yeah. The especially the the Matt Damon ones are good. The um, what's his name? Jeremy, what's his name? Piven. No, that's uh, no. <laughs> I'd watch not, that. I don't know. Uh, no, not that guy. Jeremy, <laughs> other other Jeremy guy. Uh, Hurt, Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker Irons. guy. The Hurt Locker guy. No. Uh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah, that that one with him, the fake born, where Matt Damon was like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm va- I'm on vacation. No, I'm not doing this one." Yeah. Um. Yeah, that one not as good. Sorry, other guy. But uh, you know, Damon's back though, and and Paul Greengrass, who is the director of all the best porn movies. So I I think it's gonna be good. Oh, good. Good. The Trippies are an annual uh awards event brought to you by the editors of VegasTripping.com, 
which took place this past Saturday. Um, I should say up front that I was nominated and honored to win an award this time around. This podcast was nominated, but did not win. Um, surprise, surprise. It's rigged. But uh, it was rigged by uh, whoever that guy from whatever that's, that place was that was mad about everything. He rigged everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, we did not win, but we definitely appreciate the fact that people nominated us and that uh, I assume somebody voted for us. Yes. Um, the three people that don't like Tim and Michelle voted for us. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the Vegas gang came in second. Well, you know that does make me feel that that that's that, good. Good showing too. I I that does mean something to me. I'm sort of I'm being sarcastic. I've you know Tim and Michelle at Five Honey by Midnight uh, have been longtime multiple winners at the award, and I you know I deservedly so. They do a great job. And so um, I'm sort of poking fun a little bit, but uh, they they are very hard to displace. Um, but uh, I I don't see that anything like a, it's it's no conspiracy. It's just the the the, the people want what they want, and uh, that's how it goes. So, um, but other than uh, other than talking about us, there's a bunch of other stuff in the awards. What I guess Chuck, you guys talked at length on your show. <laughs> <laughs> which is available as uh, as a podcast now. Both parts are available on uh, in the Vegas Tripping podcast feed, so I would yep. suggest that folks go listen to that. But, um, you know, what surprised you the most uh, out of the results? How similar they were to previous years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's this year to me, the surprise with it I, was that I wasn't really surprised. Uh, maybe the surprise is that... Uh, the cosmopolitan still was crushing things, you know, even after all this time, they were, they're still doing really well in the poll. They always have, and they still do. Um, I'm not sure I fully understand that I do. Yes. And no, but people have a very high opinion of, of that joint. And I'm not exactly sure why, uh, it's, it's certainly nice. It's, uh, my guess is that it's the independent spirit. It's not, um, it may not the place that they go and stay at. It may not be the place that, uh, they do all their playing at, but there's so much stuff to like there that people have a positive opinion about the cosmopolitan and they're not involved in bankruptcies and, uh, uh, fees and just being kind of, weenies you know public just, weenies so I, you know I, I wonder how much of that is just a feeling of distinction right yeah. there's a feeling of sameness that i think sets in uh maybe less so for a top tier property in a big conglomerate like a bellagio has uh the ability to sort of rise above that and to maybe a slightly lesser degree an aria does um or an mgm grand or a mirage but like a Luxor or a, sorry, Mandalay Bay, but you've kind of gone to the second tier um, uh, or a Excalibur or just a, a place that they just don't have enough momentum to sort of break out of the vortex. And they just don't, yeah. they feel, there feels like a, a giant mess of sameness. Yeah. And uh, the Cosmopolitan is, feels for better or worse different. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The different. It's got different everything, and it's a small, manageable, intimate kind of joint, right? 
You know, they a lot of the things that they've instituted, everybody else is following. Uh, the cocktail program is one example of this. Uh, the food, uh, very foody, foody kind of centric, um, with with uh, fun, approachable food. Uh, right. You know, so they they've done a lot of things, and 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 they're different. It's independent spirit. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes forward, and uh, you know, obviously in the past. Here they've had some management and ownership changes. Um, yeah. It you know clearly the the people are still responding well. I like that place too. Yeah. They've got a, a bunch of stuff going for them. I think there's still some stuff that needs improvement, and I hope that they work on it. But you know they're in a really good spot, so I I hope that they uh, that they turn it. They continue to push push on the other people around them to be better. I agree with you. You know, Hunter, you're mentioning the sameness. You know, if you walk up, if you walk from Mandalay Bay to uh, Aria, you go through all of those joints. They're all MGM joints. When you walk through them, you see the same stuff in every casino. Yeah, it's a formula. Everything is absolutely a formula. It has the same shops. There's always an Optica, right? There's always a, a... the same hot dog joint. There's the same pizza joint. You know, you might have some exceptions, but it's always the same group of stores, the same stuff, and the same property. So it really doesn't matter anymore. And with themes becoming non-existent, um, they they really are becoming homogenized to a degree. You know, yeah. so to see a place like Cosmopolitan, that really is kind of daring and 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 different. Uh, I could see why people are attracted to it. I do. Me too. And I wonder how much, I wonder if that's just those of us that go enough to see the sameness where we care about that, whether the average consumer just, they, you know, they don't go enough to really grasp it, which, you know, not bad on them, but like, it's a different experience. If you go multiple times a year or even, you know, annually, you're going to notice this stuff a lot more than somebody that goes once every couple of years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I, it maybe it's a really different experience, but man, I mean, this goes back to way back in the day, uh, with us complaining, uh, about, uh, the, the mega mergers that set us up for where we're at. And, yeah. you know, at the time it was not clear how it was going to work out, but I, I don't know. I, I am sad. I understand why those mergers take place. It makes complete sense from somebody looking at a balance sheet trying to synergize all this stuff. But from a from a customer perspective, it makes me it makes me more it makes me sad, right? Yeah. I I want to see people fighting against each other um to have the best possible product and having less of that competition. I think, yeah. you know, it's just we we get a lot of sameness, which is I think where we're at today. It's a it's a Coke and Pepsi world. Yeah, really on the strip. You do have uh, you'll find the uh, what's the what's the drink that all the uh, the Juggalos drink? That one flavor of orange soda or something that they're grape soda or something they all drink. There's you'll find a couple of those oddballs here or there, but really it's a Coke and Pepsi world on the strip. It's interesting though, right? We have two huge chains that are basically like repeating the same formula over and over based on different 
customer spend profiles, right? We've got the good steakhouse, the okay steakhouse, and the like barely possible steakhouse. The, ch- and- the chain, the approachable chain steakhouse. <laughs> Pretty much, right? I mean, it's like they've kind of figured out like we're going to do this stuff on different tiers, and like we've they've completely figured out this tiered strategy, and we can move customers up from one tier to another as they become better customers. Which, I, you know, it's like business school 101, right? It completely makes sense. I understand why they do it. But man, it is so sad and depressing. I, I want, I want like, fierce competition. And I know that these guys talk about competing property to property. And for all I know, internally, that actually does happen. And there is sort of uh, innovation in terms of what they're offering to their customers. But it doesn't feel that way from the outside. So... If that is happening inside it, I I don't feel like it's amplified on the outside. I wish there were, I wish there were a lot more operators that would all sort of fight in tooth and nail to do different stuff. I think it would just be way more interesting. Yeah. So can we think of any place where that's true? Today, no. I don't know. Well, I don't know because well, here's my the, thing. So I was reading. A, I read a really. You tell me. Tell I was me. reading a really interesting story about the Disney princess dolls, okay. and how they've just jumped from Mattel to Hasbro. And pretty much, like, I don't even know what percentage of toys, but pretty much a huge chunk of toys and games are now made by either Mattel or Hasbro, or Mattel or Hasbro licenses their IP to somebody else to do it. Believe that. I believe that. So it's it's just, and that's kind of an area that I'm developing more academically is looking at, at games more broadly. Uh-huh. So it's really interesting, and then kind of toys and stuff like that. So it's really interesting seeing how the same process that's happening nationally, where you have like a huge amount, I don't know the numbers, of toys are being manufactured by one of these two huge companies. And the strip where you have something similar is very interesting. Although Kickstarter is kind of disrupting the toy and game thing a little bit. Is it really? Yeah, so I know I got a game called Robot Turtles on Kickstarter that's supposed Uh to teach kids. It's it's kind of supposed to give kids an introduction to coding in a very game-like way so yeah i got it i got it there and that was kind of and supposedly i'm not alone because i think a lot of game makers now instead of going to game companies and the game companies probably won't even look at your game because right don't want to get sued if they develop something like that 20 years from now so they're just like yeah hey i'll put it on kickstarter and see what happens. So it's kind of, it's the same thing, you know, and of course you're never going to see that in casinos because the barrier to entry is so high. Right. And well, regulatory, like, yeah. you know, that, you know, that's a whole thing. And believe me, I believe that casinos should be regulated. I, so I'm not arguing that that's not a thing that we need. Uh, but ah, man, I just, the homogeny of uh, the Caesars MGM strip, you know, they do a lot of interesting things, but they control so much that it's hard for crazy new ideas. And for better or worse, you know, the Cosmo stuff, not a, a lot of the stuff that they've done has not been successful. But I, it, it, even if it's not something I'm interested in personally, I think it's cool that they're doing different stuff. So anyway, I don't know. You know, to a degree, this is going to happen on the north end of the Strip. Right. So. Once, once all these guys start to get their shit open, let's say 2018, 2019, uh, when Resorts is open and uh, Alon's open, Lucky Dragon will be operating for a while, and hopefully by then SLS will have its shit sorted out or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, but then is that when MGM is going to 
or Harris or Caesars, they're going to start buying up those existing properties up there from people. Right. Right. You know, MGM still has circus and they've got the big plot of land next door to it. So a lot of, a lot of possibilities. The, the mergers sort of seem inevitable in retrospect, but I'm still not sure that they are the, I mean, I'm sure that they are great financially for shareholders and actually I'm sure you could run those numbers and determine that. But in terms of just if if we cared about optimizing for diversity, I don't think that's what we would do. Mm. Yeah. But clearly that's not <laughs> that's not what we optimize for in mm. uh the US financial market. So how many crime families owned casinos in the forties, fifties, sixties? Well, I, oh I boy! Would you, I mean, you're talking about a whole bunch of different people with <laughs> right. How would you twists. even answer that, right? Yeah, but they that, they were they were they had networks though. Like some yeah, guys would work on this sort one. of. Yeah, kind it's of, kind right? of you know, and you. It's also complicated by okay, well, you know, Vinny B has five points in this, but he's holding them for this guy and this guy and this guy. <laughs> you know, I I'll just give you an example. So one of my pit boss interviews it was a guy who says he was sent out. He was looking after somebody's interest from New York. And I was looking after it. And this other guy was looking after somebody's interest from Cleveland. This other guy was looking after somebody's interest from Detroit. So there's a lot of different, even in the same casino, there's a lot, it seems like there's a lot of different competing interests in there. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's definitely, but on one hand, on the other hand though, all these people knew each other and all the executives knew each other. They all came up in the same illegal places. Right. So you didn't have a ton of diversity because they all, but on the other, other hand, <laughs> had 20 different people owning casinos. This is another thing that came out. I can't take credit for this. This is one thing that came up from the pit bosses. You know, at one time you could be a crap stealer and get fired for whatever, because they could fire you for whatever, you know, so you, your game right. loses too much money. They fire you. You just go right across the street and start the next day. That's not really going to happen now. Not anymore, no. So that's, it's kind of, it's tough for the dealers. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's a good the, point, right? The really weird thing is that dealers used to have to put in their dues for years before they could even get to a lesser strip property. You know, Expl I, Explain what that means. They would have to deal downtown for years. And then, they'd, then they'd work their way up to a place like the Landmark or someplace, kind of a lesser one, and then they would uh -huh. eventually work their way up. But, you know, one woman I talked to had been dealing for, God, maybe 10 years or something, and a lot of them in the Strip, and she tried to get a job at Caesars, and they're just like, hey, we don't hire break-ins. Wow. Yeah, we don't hire break-ins, get lost. Wow. And that, yeah, you know, so getting a job at, at Caesars or Hilton or Bally's was really in this in the 70s and 80s that was really the top thing and you you had to really work for years mm. now you have you do have break-in starting in the strip so it's it's kind of strange how it's it's flipped uh well you know and i i wonder how much of that is uh a de-emphasized gaming as the primary revenue generator right it's like well you know we can accept more risk i.e lesser trained employees in this arena because it's not our bread and butter anymore. Like yeah. it's, it's a contributor. It's a, yeah. you know, potentially big one, but it's not a make or break it. Right. We've got a lot of other pieces 
that uh, are are floating part of the pie. So it's not you know not the only thing we're focused on anymore. And that's also the way you got hired. Then you would put on your white shirt and black tie and go up there and say, "Can I have an audition?" Okay, sure. Get in that table, and you'd go out there and deal for twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and they'd hire you or they wouldn't. You know, now you've got HR involved, right? Which is good and bad right. because on one hand, that means that if the players are winning money, your pit boss is not going to be kicking you in the heel. In the you know, they literally they'd kick them. If they were if the table was losing, they'd kick them. You're not going to get fired for that. On the other hand, it doesn't have that same camaraderie, right? And it's really fun. And I'm kind of giving away the whole plot of the uh, tales from the pit, but it's really funny because the people I talked to were split about whether it was better then or better today. There, there was no consensus. They're like, well, yeah. some people said, oh my god, it was so much better. It was so much better. I loved it. Other people said, no, nah, there was some stuff that wasn't that great back then. I'm especially, I'm especially, the, especially the women. <laughs> kind yeah. Of said, yeah well, that well, was okay. not, not necessarily great. To okay. Be that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I was going to say, I would, I'm surprised that it's not super biased towards it was better back in the day, just because that seems like the average human's bias. But what yeah. you just said makes complete sense, right? <laughs> like, no, yeah, the, the women are like, yeah, not so much. The women who were the, the pioneers, the first and second wave of dealers and then managers on the strip, just, they should, they, they're the ones who should be winning the Courage Award because they literally had guys telling them, you don't belong here, right. and way worse. That. You know, just terrible language. So that's, that's pretty gutsy to me. Yeah, no. That- yeah, once, once the book is out, you'll, hopefully I'll be able to capture all that. When, when is that going to be? I don't know. Still waiting to get a couple of transcripts back. Wow. Good, interesting, crazy stories, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, uh, before we move off the trippies, um, Derek Stevens, another big winner this year. Um, There was an active discussion on the site about whether or not there's bias. Uh, You know, any... I don't want to dwell on this too much because I think there is uh, there's a, a pretty good back and forth there that people can go read if they're concerned about that topic. But you want to throw anything in before we move away? Oh, well, I think uh, you know it. Jeez, mm, whiz! You know uh, the guy who is raising a little bit of a stink. I, I understood this after reading it and thinking about it for a while. He is. Uh, he takes the VT credo uh, to heart, yeah, and he and he really cares about it, and he is concerned that uh, because we do these events with the D, that it will influence the way the editors choose their stuff. Like we're gonna hand awards to the D as a thank you for. Right. Uh, doing this stuff and nothing could be any further from the truth we absolutely do not do that if anything does happen uh is when we go to the d when we see the d and that's not just during our own events but we go individually because the place is a blast so we become exposed to more of these things that they do uh i've been a fan of the golden gate forever i've uh, stayed there gave them positive reviews so 
nothing really has changed in my opinion on that. And uh, the stuff that's gone right at the D, we we commended them because they're doing a good job. Whether yeah. whether and the things that they don't do well, we called that out too. So uh, I appreciate that that uh, that folks really care. You know that they they take our mission statement really really seriously. And the fact that this guy wants to put up a stink and 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 fight tooth and nail over this, I I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think we I walked him from the ledge. Uh, yeah, I read the whole thing. Yeah, basically said, "Hey, listen, man, I started this thing. I invented this. I invented the 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 credo, and and I live it. And it's been eleven coming up on twelve years. That's never going to change. Uh, the point of the events is to get." Is a reward for the the readers. Really, it's like so everybody who sees each other's username can get together in person, and then we do some goofy shit with them while we're here. So right. it's real no, simple. And I would encourage anybody that has any other questions to go read that thread. I mean, I you know I think uh, uh, if if you are trying to reduce everything to uh, you know the best pay tables or the cheapest specials on Monday night or whatever it may be, the metric that you're looking for, you are probably missing the broader point. Um, But I think that they, the, by they, I mean the, the Vegas shipping editors do a good job of explaining the criteria in that thread. So, you know, it, if you, if you want to start your own uh, awards, you should do so. Absolutely. That's all good, but you know, Mm -hmm. So it goes. That's that's why I did it. Because I yeah. saw the other ones, I'm like, well, this is just PR. You know? This is the, the this is quotable PR is what what these folks are giving out. So I'm like, well, let's do something that not only gives out the best, we give out the worst too. Nobody yeah. gives out the worst. Nobody. Right? Because nobody in, in town in the publishing biz, they don't ever want to talk about the worst stuff. Right. You know, so I think I think the trippies are fun. Obviously, uh, when you're talking about editors choices in any kind of survey, it's a group of people that you may or may not agree with. Like, you know, you've got to sort of tune your own bias mm-hmm. based on whether or not these guys, oh, they kind of get me or wow, I totally disagree with these guys. And that's fine. You know, there's it's, just, it's the same way with when I read movie reviews. I uh, mm-hmm. there are some movie reviewers where I'm like, totally this guy gets me and others i'm like wow what and that's just the way it goes but i still appreciate a a well-written and well-reasoned review no matter who it comes from so that's my favorite part what about Uh, pizza what about pizza pizza i i like it yeah me too very interesting because the readers thought that pizza rock was the best the editors thought it was the worst oh uh well did all the editors think it was the worst? I, I still haven't gotten all the way through the, yeah, uh, the second I, I, part I, of the podcast. So I, I know that there was some... That was, some, the, that was the consensus. Yeah, well, I so... Uh, all right, I, I, now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be speaking from less than perfect knowledge because there is documented show out there that I have not completed. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure if I can... But, you know... I know, I know. At least Miss Nomer was like not super impressed with Pizza Rock, but who, Chuck, you're gonna have to indulge me here and repeat yourself a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I haven't finished the episode. Uh, uh, was it a complete consensus that Pizza Rock was not 
that great? Or am I... I, 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 I don't want to put words in I anyone's don't, mouth. I don't think we talked about it on the show. Okay. No. We were jumping around on categories because we went for six hours. So <laughs> at that point, we didn't really get into okay. everything. So into what's the story detail, with pizza? The pizza rock was... Uh, the discussion was... Uh, the pizza's overrated. It's good. It's better than, you know, bunk pie, but just kind of deflated a little bit. When I've had it, I've had very mixed food at that place. Sometimes the pizza's great. If you get a whole pie, you'll, you got a good chance you're going to get a good pie. If you get the slices off mm. the rack, they're going to be overcooked. Uh, I've had pizza there that was burned. I've had a bunch of other things that were burned. And the guys uh, in discussion had... Uh, Similar kinds of uh, inconsistencies with their pie. So the question is, uh, we're speaking, um, there's a universal truth that Pizza Rock is great. And we're mm -hmm. raising the question that that's not really true. Got it's it. not that great. You know, it's better than Piccadilly was or uh, whatever other cheap, you know, uh, utility slice will be. But there's other better pizzas in town for sure. Okay. I have never sliced there. I've only full pizzaed. Um, and we I sliced there together. We did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. It was. Was it good? It was burned. <laughs> well, then <laughs> fuck that place. Yeah. Fuck that place. I renounce Pizza Rock completely. Fuck yeah. that place. All right. I. You know. Whatever. Well, Dave, you set me up, man. You were like, I knew it was terrible, <laughs> and I'm just gonna fuck with you. Yeah. Well, no, I the I've been when I've been there, I've gotten the full pie. It was good. Yeah, it is kind of you know for pizza to me. For me, it's kind of pricey if I'm taking the family out or something. It's not like yeah. hey, I'm going to go to Pizza Rock. You know, yeah. we just usually go to a regular pizza place. So I I I vaguely remember eating pizza here there together. So whoops, um, my uh, full pie experiences have been pretty good, but you know I. I Yes, it, it 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 is interesting to. Uh, it definitely has been sort of anointed as uh, pizza royalty. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's good to check uh, check the crown every now and then. Grimaldi's is good too. Yeah, there's a lot of good spots. You know? Yeah, five fifty is incredible. I have not been to five fifty yet, dude. It's really good. Yeah, I really believe good. it. Yeah. Believe it. Have not been. All right. Um, we should probably talk about I'm, you know, you, you've got uh, better. Uh, is it upper tongue mobility than I do? I'm not sure, but I don't know. You, you, you're doing it better than I am. Yeah. What What are we talking about? We're doing a thing. Uh, some may remember in the past we have done things where we show up, uh, all of us, and us meaning uh, the three of us on this show and some of our friends and the VT guys, and we get together and we get in a room, we turn on some microphones and we make some noise. Uh, we talk about stuff. We did it for a couple of years. We called it a podcast of Palooza, and then we like turned it into a whole weekend of goofball shit, and we called it the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic. Well, yep. guess what? We're bringing back the one-day event, April 2nd, Saturday, April 2nd, at the D, in the showroom, 2 p.m., 
one day, one, one day. of the, one day, one event, uh, the VT guys, we're going to do podcasts, not no match game. Uh, Dave is going to talk. Uh, the Vegas gang is going to talk. We're going to have a special guest. We'll get, we'll announce that at a later date. Uh, and then our friends from 500 are going to do their thing. And it's going to be a whole weekend of, uh, I don't know, whatever else you guys want to do. But we're not going to have organized events. So this is right. a, we're going to do this one thing, this one day. Uh, and and that's it. And it's called Vzzt. So Vimp, Vimp is our our main foray in the year. It's still, it's the, it's the uh, Christmas tree in the whole, well, I don't even know what I'm talking about. but. It it it's it's the king the kingpin, but it's the main event. It is the yeah, no better way to put it. It's the it will remain the main event. It is a weekend of craziness, and that's going that's not going to change. But there's room for more, and there are some people that for whatever reason can never make it in uh, October when we do our our main event. So we are expanding. We're we're bringing some new people into the family. Yeah. I hope. And so this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do uh a new ad hoc event and it's going to be great. I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah. It's kind of like podcast a palooza. Yeah, kind of. It really, with, you know, a better much better name. Yeah. With a better name. Bzz. Yeah. Bzz. Yeah. Bzz. yeah. 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 So it's going to be awesome. Um we're looking forward to it. There's a few things we can't say yet, but we hope to be able to say soon. Uh, we're excited that's all about you, it. That's all you need to know for now is the yeah. weekend of April 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th is but, when, when you want to be in town. Right. But if you are a hardcore, super Vimphy fan, like this is a thing you probably don't want to miss. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, Plus, especially if you're one of those folks that uh, the October scheduling is difficult for you, um, this uh, should be a lot of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, this that's really a big impetus. It's a lot of folks they can't do October for so many reasons, and we hear it. But you know, let's 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 give folks a taste of the action who who are open up in spring. And so we only got ten weeks or so before this thing. So it's uh, short notice. Yeah, you got enough time to get your shit together, and we've got hotel discounts from our friends at the D and the Golden Gate. They're kicking down uh, generously uh, a discount for folks who want to come. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Vimp is going to remain our sort of main big poncho event, um, and you know, for those folks that come to, that can come to both, that's amazing. Uh, but if you can't come in October, you should uh, check this out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a smaller event, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Me too. Dave, are you excited? Me three. Oh, very much. Palpable. Palpable. Oh, totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, two quick things before we go. Uh, one, win is putting in a little fountain show in front of their hotel, which I think is kind of just interesting just because, uh, you know, it's sort of the fountain show in, in Vegas is 
been the purview of the Bellagio for a long time. And I, I think, at least legally, that's been because that they've had an exclusive contract with Wet Design, who did uh, the fountains there, and actually also Win hired to do Macau. And I don't, I'm actually not sure if they're working on Kotai or not, but uh, they sort of developed all the technology that built the Bellagio Fountain Show. And uh, in his infinite wisdom, he signed them to an exclusive contract and then sold his company so he couldn't use them again. Um, Oops. uh, Yeah, whoops. Um, But uh, we see uh, the little lake in front of Wynn is drained and they're putting in what look pretty much like junior versions of the uh, shooting jets that we see in the lake at the Bellagio. So. I don't know. I'm wondering. Uh, it's. I'm. I'm wondering what it's going to look like. But I think. I still think it's kind of interesting because clearly, um, when when Win opened, it was like, hey, we've got this great stuff, and we're going to hide it behind this big shield because we want people to experience for experience it from the inside. And he he being Steve Win talked a lot about how he made this critical mistake uh, by basically creating a show for people that never came inside his casino. Um, but this seems like sort of not that strategy. So I'm, you know, I'm curious if that means anything um, other than it being a cool fountain show. Chuck, do you have any thoughts? I think he's trying to raise the stakes on the outside of the property, make it more inviting, make people want to come up there. And this is purely about the future of the north end of the strip with all the other stuff happening there. He wants to get his ducks in a row. Uh, there will be more foot traffic for sure, coming from the south past his property uh, up the street to go see the other stuff, the convention center, Elon across the street, Resorts World, etc., etc., etc. So uh, that whole front of the of win is going to get uh, uh, quite a dramatic refresh. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this how this happens. I'm curious what's going to happen to Wind Mountain, if he's going to keep that as it is, or if that whole thing is going to get dismantled. Yeah, I mean, that would be fascinating, right? Of course, in addition to this new uh, fountain thing that they're doing, which is, uh, for those that are familiar with the property, it's basically, like, on the corner of uh, of Spring Mountain and the Strip. Like, it's right there across from Palazzo. Mm-hmm. Um, Palazzo? Palazzo? Wow. <laughs> Palazzo is a restaurant here in Santa Barbara. Palazzo oh, yeah. is a casino here in Las Vegas. Um, so, anyway, wow. Um, Right across the street, so it's right on the focal point there as you're going into the Esplanade to do your, you know, Brioni shopping, which we all do. Um, So it's right there on the corner, but uh, the big, the other big thing that they're talking about or are working towards is, like, extending out the corner from what was formerly the poker room and the Ferrari dealership. Yep. And which will going, which is going to extend, which, which uh, VT has reported, and the now there are plans uh, with the county to pursue. I mean, this is a thing that's happening. Like that whole area is going to be transformed. Which, as you said a minute ago, Chuck, that clearly they are preparing for having neighbors, which yep. it hasn't been a thing really for a while. Yep. So like they are, they know that there's going to be neighbors. They want to capitalize on that and they are reconfiguring their space to make that all work which i yep. think is fascinating yep so and it will all be done and operating and humming by the time the neighbors open 
They had right. neighbors before, but they didn't want those cowboys. <laughs> right, right. So they are going to have new neighbors that are going to be the kinds of customers that they desperately want. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're excited about that. And it's going to be really interesting to see um, how that all that stuff gets redone. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's been a while since we've seen material changes to the uh, to the wind footprint. Right. I mean, obviously, the Encore Beach Club was a big deal, but that's been a, quite a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. And Wind Las Vegas itself has really not changed very much since it opened. And so it's going to be very interesting to see that they're now reconfiguring that stuff to make it all work, which, you know, makes sense. It's all uh, in the service of uh, newness. Yep. And also guys, the battle of business across the yeah, street. Right. Well, you guys may have, have me feeling like we're going to see neighbor Aber and Mr. McFeely coming by with all the neighbors in the neighborhood. You know, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Neighbor Aber. I don't know, man. Speedy delivery, Mr. McFeely. Speedy delivery, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. I, I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers as a kid, but I really don't remember anything, so I'm bad at this. I watched him a little while. You know, he actually he went to Lucy the Elephant in Margate, New Jersey once. It was really cool. Oh. Another thing I want to kind of chime in with my little irrelevancies is I'm yeah. you know, I think you guys are thinking it's gonna be a scaled down version of Bellagio. I'm hoping it's going to be a scaled up version of Mystic Falls Park from Samstown. Uh, 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 like, imagine how awesome that would be if you had an animatronic wolf howling, <laughs> you know, every hour on the hour. You know, that thing would dominate that corner. Yeah, it would. Can Probably you imagine better. a Roger Thomas tasseled animatronic wolf? That would oh be God. awesome. I mean, you couldn't. And everybody likes wolves. It would be a foo dog, right? Not everybody likes wolves like uh the wolf so mm -hmm. people wear the wolf shirts so you get it both ways you get it for the people who really like it and you get it for the people who are doing it ironically oh my god yeah it would be perfect it's true I, and I, no you I, can't have too many animatronic animals no in tourist areas uh no. you might have too many you can yeah. have too few you sure can uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure it really anyway yeah, you know what? You're probably right, Dave. They probably will do that. I I, I, I don't think they will, but I'd be nice. <laughs> Just something different. Ah, I love like, it. Like, hey, we have not seen this before. It's true. It would be different. It doesn't. I'm guessing it doesn't really fit with their brand, but I I love I yeah. love the uh, I love the thought. But hey, uh, what's his face? Uh, crap. Popeye. No, not Popeye. <laughs> uh, the freaking movie. Paul Blart 2. There you go. Oh, that, right. Oh, right. Did it. Seriously. So you're telling right. me that's a, that's okay. a brand fit? All right. That's a, you know that's what? That's a brand synergy, but a wolf? Dave. I don't know if a wolf with red honestly, eyes isn't. Dave, wolf, wolf like, shirts. really, I I take it all back. You're absolutely right. They they did that. You, I, 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 have no, I have no rebuttal. <laughs> I have no rebuttal. They and you know what? that. We're going to have Mastodon do the soundtrack to it. Oh, boy. That would be great. Uh, that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Again, it would dominate. Maybe we'll have an. An animatronic Paul Blart. <laughs> yeah, maybe Scooting over the bridge and down around the corner with a, on a Segway. Wow. I, you know what? I, for coming into the segment, I thought it was going to be pretty highbrow. And now I'm like, I, I had completely forgotten about Paul Blart. Ball, <laughs> ball Cop 2. And I am now reminded that, you know, Wynn has no monopoly on class. Anyway. <laughs> it's having this, it's being secure enough to say, hey. 
this is, right. this is I okay. Guess. I guess. You know? I hope those Blart people paid him a lot of money. It's all fun. I guess. Yeah. Who does um, he? You know, he's well, got. He's put his. He's put his elbow through a Picasso. It's which true. one of us? Which one of us plebeians does he have to impress? <laughs> none. None of us. He doesn't none. care what we think. But you know, I think he has his own standards, and I kind of always question where Paul Blart fits into those. <laughs> Um, the one thing I do want to ask about before we go um, is: uh, Should Hunter go to Macau? That's my question. That is the question I'm asking. Why not? Should well, that, you know that all things being equal, yes, that's a great that that's a nice answer. But you know, it's not cheap. It doesn't. It costs more than zero dollars. Um, my dear friend Charles is uh, is going to Macau. He's got a trip planned. Uh, his second his second trip plan. I've never been, so um, he's he's going again. Uh, I would love to go along. It sounds fun, but uh, I haven't quite decided if it's all going to work out. I'm I'm looking for uh encouragement and enthusiasm. You guys have both been to Macau before. Tell me why I should go. It's really different. Yeah, and just to get a feel for it. I need a little bit more than that, Dave. I want the, <laughs> the, the listeners want to want to yeah, get a sense of what it's, it's like. Just, you know, for me, the big thing was the sense of the crumbling colonial outpost being transformed into this Chinese financial hub. You know, that was the kind of thing, and just the the pace seemed so much slower than Hong Kong. Hmm. Just the it kind of it's it's weird. You really feel the residual whatever residue of the however many years you know 400 years of Portuguese colonial rule this is something really different Jack Macau is let's put some let's put some bows on this thing Hunter you are a casino lunatic you have followed the industry, you follow the design, follow interiors, the movers and shakers and players. Uh, for a long time, you've invested uh, infinite amounts of your life, your time, your creativity into this thing. Macau, uh, it's, like, it's like going to a football game and leaving at, in the second quarter not going to Macau because the second half of the game and the halftime show is in Macau. You know, all this stuff from Vegas cause it, it exists with you. It exists within your culture. When you go see this kind of thing, Hey, look, there's a win. It's two thirds of the size. Hey, look, there's a Venetian. That's three times the size of the ones in Vegas, you know, this stuff, the casino floor is so big. You can see the curvature of the earth, you know, (laughs) things are blurry way in the back and you're walking around and all the signs are in Chinese, two types of Chinese. Uh, But everybody speaks English at the same time. If you walk around, around in town, away from the casino, you see like, 35 Portuguese, obviously Portuguese uh, descendant children. I saw this one day when I was walking, they poured out of a school. And then I walked another block up and then a Chinese school let out and all these Chinese kids. And then between them, like 
mixes of these these races and types of people and cultures at this intersection of just massive amounts of money and crime and casino gambling and uh, a culture of people who are just so into gambling. Uh, it's 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 really like Vegas in another planet at at the hilt at the absolute edge of of what it's going to be. Uh, this Macau right now, particularly with all the stuff that's opened, uh, is this is the cutting edge of what the casino industry is doing. It's the cutting edge, the bleeding edge, the where all the money is going into it, and. On realistic points, uh, the exchange rate has never been better for the dollar to the Hong Kong dollar. Uh, it's only going to get better based on what's happening in the Chinese economy. Granted, that's not helping us here also. Right. Uh, the prices of fuel have, are in the tank uh, for the lowest time in what 15 years or so, close to 15 yeah. years. Uh, so airline flights are pretty cheap. Uh, there's technology to uh, help maximize this stuff. The hotel room rates uh, that I've been looking at are dramatically lower than when I was there in 2007, which may have been the worst time to go. The prices were really high, but everything's it's cheaper to go to Macau and stay than it is to to go to Vegas right now. You'll get a top tier room <laughs> for 200 bucks, you know, US. So all those things together, plus I'm going to be there and Wind yeah, Palace is going to open. And, uh, you know, I've got a couple friends who might uh, get us inside for the opening uh, to see the latest of Steve's vision, you know? Yeah. And this is there. There's only so many other times. I guess we could fly to Boston and do it, which we'll probably do anyway. But, uh, you know, he's this is a Chinese company now. So let's let's see what Steve's vision for a gigantic Kotai strip resort is. Yeah, that's a pretty good sales pitch. My wife told me that if I didn't go, she was going to divorce me. So that's also a pretty good sales pitch. Oh, I think um, you better go. Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty into the idea. I, I'm not sure if she's into the idea of me being gone or into the idea of me uh, doing yeah. something fun. I want to assume the latter. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I agree with you. I get the same thing from my wife, too. She's like, what am I going to do for 10 days while you're gone? And I'm like, well, you're going to have fun. But she's like, totally, you have to go. You have yeah. to go. You know, yeah. there's no there's no discussion about it. They're opening Wind Palace. I have to go. I could wait six months and wait till the Parisian is open, too. And MGM Kotai is open. But you can always, you can always wait. wait. Yeah. yeah. You can always wait. It's like buying a new computer, right? You can always get the next one. But, you know, you Sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah. All right. Think I, about it. I, I, dude, I'm like 90% sold. Okay. Well, when you're done, when you sell it yourself, get Mikey on the phone and John. <laughs> yeah. Could we get I, them gave them the sales, I gave them the sales pitch after the. Oh, my gosh. Done. Would that be amazing? Dave, you want to come too? Seriously. Well, I don't think I'll be able to get away. I've got to teach. Uh, and uh, I got my kids. <laughs> you know, they can come. Everyone can come. <laughs> Party time. Should write you a grant, then will you come? <laughs> uh, I got too much to do here. Okay. But I'll be there vicariously. Well, I'll be there. All right. Well, you know, we can, what we should do, if we do, if this uh, magical miracle does end up happening, we should have a special Vegas gang Skype 2 a.m. edition uh, to make this all, you know, make the, make the magic 
to seal it all up in a in a little bow. That would be great. That would be yeah. great. All right. Perfect way to end the show. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm super excited about yeah, and uh, some fun stuff uh, that's going to be happening then. And, um, you know, I love you guys. Always great to talk to you. 